Just a few days ago, the Census Bureau released its annual American Community Survey Report. And I'm guessing that probably most of us did not know that. Most of us, including myself. I admit that I do not keep up to speed on those annual ACS reports. Maybe unlike you, I don't know. But what I did notice, and perhaps you did too, was the news that came out of that report, which is that income inequality in this country has hit a 50-year high. For as long as the Census Bureau has been collecting data on income, the gap between the richest and poorest earners in America has never been wider. Somehow, in the midst of a decade's worth of uninterrupted growth in the GDP following the Great Recession, the rising economic tide has failed to lift all the proverbial boats. The rich have gotten richer, and the poor keep getting poorer. And in my view, the true bellwether for this is none other than Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame and current holder of the title richest man in the world. In July 2017, Jeff Bezos only had a net worth of around $90 billion, only. A year later, in July 2018, he had a net worth of $150 billion. $150 billion is an essentially an unimaginable amount of money. And while one of our fellow citizens happens to be uh, in what's now called a centi-billionaire, countless others can't even afford to put food on the table. And this great chasm that exists between rich and poor only seems to be widening. It's easy to pick on Jeff Bezos for being filthy rich, but the picture really starts to change when you look at things on a global scale. I wonder if anyone happens to know what the median income for a resident of planet Earth is in today's US dollars. Does anyone want to hazard a guess? The median income for anyone on the planet is $2,100 per year. Just as I believe that $150 billion is an unimaginable amount of money, I confess that I also can't imagine what it would be like to live on a little more than $2,000 a year. Even after adjusting for cost of living, a typical American still earns 10 times the income of a typical person in the rest of the world. In fact, you are in the top 1% of earners by global standards, top 1%, if you earn at least $32,400 per year. If nothing else, this will remind us that the categories of rich and poor are relative. And in the case of today's gospel, it makes it much harder for the average American not to be identified with the rich man of Jesus's parable. Truth be told, I really don't like the idea 
that I am more like the rich man than Lazarus. I'm just middle class, after all. I'm not Jeff Bezos. I don't go around dressed in purple and fine linen. I mean, I guess unless it's Lent, in which case I do go around dressed in purple and fine linen. But you you get my point. I don't feast sumptuously every day because most of the time I'm just scraping off the leftovers from my children's plates onto my own. There's not a poor man covered in sores living on the sidewalk outside the rectory where I live. And yet I can't help but feel as though I'm the unnamed rich man who has it made in the shade, as they say while further away my fellow sisters and brothers would be thrilled to earn even $2,100 a year. In the story, the rich man dies with plenty of toys. And not only does he not win, but things only get worse for him. From his view in Hades, he can see the border of eternal bliss in the distance, from which he is excluded. He's refused even a merciful drop of cool water on his tongue. Likewise, his request for a favor of warning to his family is refused. No one wants to be in the position of the rich man. As it turns out, the way that I treat the Lazarus figure in my life, whoever they are, will have its consequences would be so much easier to blame Jeff Bezos or throw a blanket of judgment around the politicians, uh, whoever ones that I prefer to blame. It's a lot harder to take responsibility for the oppression myself. It's a lot harder to take responsibility for the church's role in the love of money, which has caused all kinds of evil throughout history. The rich man's brothers didn't get any special warnings from beyond. They didn't need it because they had the scriptures. But so do we, and that means that if we are on the side of the rich man, the good news is that we get to hear his parable. I mean, it's like being Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, and encountering the ghost of Christmas future in that black cloak and seeing a picture of yourself and the future that you want to run away from, and so you do. The parable is like that. The rich man's brothers are shown mercy after all because Jesus has told us the story. Ebenezer Scrooge didn't have to die pinching his pennies and ignoring tiny Tim as if he had no responsibility to him. The fact that Jesus tells this parable means that there is still time for the rich man to treat Lazarus like a brother rather than a stranger. The church has always had a strange relationship when it comes to money. Our Lord was, after all, a poor man and did not seek earthly gain. St. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, instructs the rich to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. 
And while the early fathers of the church consistently preached about the spiritual dangers of wealth, for most of its history, the church has embraced it along with the political power that wealth confers. It wasn't really until the last century that the church began to develop what is called the preferential option for the poor, which means that Christ is always and especially found among the poor, and that the gospel calls for the lowly to be lifted up and for the hungry to be filled, in the words of Our Lady's Magnificat. The option for the poor calls us back to the language of Scripture, like Psalm 146 that we sang just a few moments ago. The Lord cares for the stranger. He sustains the orphan and widow, but frustrates the way of the wicked. Notice that in today's parable, we're not explicitly told why the rich man ended up in hell. The plain reading of the text seems to suggest that he got there, not simply because he was rich, but because of the way he treated his poor neighbor, Lazarus. It was like he never even saw him, even though he surely must have. And the preferential option for the poor means that Christ was present to the rich man in the form of Lazarus. So when the rich man rejected Lazarus, what he was doing was rejecting Christ himself. In another gospel, Jesus is telling another parable, but he says something very similar that may be familiar to you. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. For truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Christ is present in Lazarus. And Christ is present in every other poor person that we meet, no matter who they are. No matter who they are. And as we hold that truth in our hearts today, let us hold fast to the words of St. Paul, our patron, written to those who in the present age are rich. Let us not be haughty, nor set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let us do good. Let us be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for ourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of the life that really is life. Amen.